Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. So I recently heard a story. Um, anybody a big fan of hiking? You know, you get out in nature. Yeah, we got a couple hands going out. Hiking was one thing that I really found to be therapeutic when I was in divinity school. Just get you out of the classroom, got you out from behind the computer screen, and just got you into God's creation. I just loved it. Well, I recently heard a story. There's a gentleman. He was walking along, and this is somewhere with elevation, which we don't have a whole lot here in Florida, but... Um, we do have cool weather, right? Yeah, so. Um, but he was walking along, just taking in the landscape. It was beautiful. Well, I think he got a little bit too caught up in it, and he tripped. And he started to kind of go over the side. It was, it was a pretty elevated uh, hike. Well, he grabs onto a branch, and he's holding on for dear life, and he does what anybody does, and you start screaming for help, right? Help, help, help. So he's screaming, screaming. He doesn't hear anything, and all of a sudden he's like, is there anybody up there? And then all of a sudden he hears a voice in response that says, I am. He's looking around, he doesn't see anybody, and he's, who, who's here? And the voice says again, I am. God, is that you? And the voice responds, it is I. He's like, oh, thank, well, you, because you're God, so, you know, thank you that you're here, um, help me. And then God responds, do you trust me? And the guy says, well, yes, of course, I, I've been a Christian most of my life, I've trusted you with so many things, of course I trust you. And then God asks again, do you trust me? And the guy says, yes, God, I'm, I'm slipping here. Come on, help me out here. So God responds, he says, let go. The guy's sitting here, he's looking around, and he's thinking, God, I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, clearly there's not much below me here. I, I, I need something else, please. And so God asks again, do you trust me? And the guy's sitting here, he's holding on to the branch, and all of a sudden he goes, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> the reality is, Trusting God, I think, is a little bit easier when it's not something when you have so much at stake. I think we can kind of say, in theory, yeah, we trust God, but when it starts getting difficult, maybe when it starts getting a little bit dangerous, the story changes a little bit. But we're going to talk about that, because what is trust? Trust is putting confidence in something, even though maybe kind of all the evidence points the other direction. And I think while the opposite of trust is distrust, I think more specifically it's fear. When we trust something, we have confidence. We think, this will take care of me. This is something that will provide safety for me. But when it's the opposite, you think, no, this is something that can hurt me. This is something that could be my downfall. You know, I think about, for example, we just talked about, you know, somebody hiking, maybe in a similar situation, a rock climber. They put their trust in this gear. They put their trust in their knowledge of this rock face. A skydiver puts their trust in the parachute, even though they jump out of perfectly good planes. They put their trust in the parachute, in the gear, that it will get them safely. But I also like to think a little bit of trust almost like a muscle. You know, it's one of those things that benefits from being used. It gets stronger the more you use it. 
And it's one of those things as well that will help you along the way as it grows with you and also as your view of God grows as well. And lastly, as we talk about placing our time, our talent, our treasure in Jesus, placing our trust over as well, kind of handing all these things over and saying, Jesus, I know you have the best for me and you will take care of me despite the fear that is swirling around all around me. So we're going to look at a story. This is Matthew 14, in which Jesus invites a disciple, a specific disciple, and you probably may know who, to come out despite the fear that he is currently facing. So we're going to look at Jesus walking in water. This is Matthew 14. We're going to look at verses 22 through 33. Immediately after this, and this is immediately after Jesus feeds the 5,000, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once, Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, to which we say, thanks be to God. So looking at this story, I think this talks a lot about faith, obviously, because Peter is invited to overcome these fears that he's currently facing. But I think there's a few things that kind of almost help set that up in a way. First things first is Jesus kind of defines reality in this situation. Jesus doesn't gloss over the fact that there are wind, there are waves, this is scary, there is chaos swirling around. And he even says that in the sense when verse 27 comes up, he says, take heart, have courage. You know, so he acknowledges that this is going to be scary. Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, a leader that maybe a lot of us know about, uh, he speaks to being a leader and he says one of the first things a good leader does is define reality. And that's what Jesus does here. He defines that this is going to be a lot. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't make it seem like it's going to be a cakewalk, but he defines reality. But then a good leader offers hope. And then Jesus says that. He says, I am here. He says, that chaos that you're about to enter into, I'm already here. I've already overcome it. In other stories, we hear about Jesus overcoming the wind and the waves. Jesus already says, he says, I'm here. I'm in the mix of it all. And he invites Peter to come out to him. I do that a lot with Liam. We're kind of trying to get him to swim, and we're hopefully going to get him into some official swim lessons. But one of the first things they do is just making sure he's comfortable going under the water, right? And so I hold him, and I say, we're going to go underwater, okay? You got to, you got to, it's going to be really quick, but I'm here, okay? And even though he kind of looks at me like scared to death, it's just real quick, and then real quick under, right back up. And, you, you know, he shakes up, and, you know, goes a little bit crazy, and it's like, okay, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And then once he sees me and he knows I'm here, he kind of settles down. 
You know, I don't sugarcoat it. Go, oh, just grow up. What are you, a, you know, a toddler? Oh, yeah, you are. Um, you know, I, this is scary. You know, this is going to be overwhelming for you. You've never done this before. So I define reality for him, but then I also say, but I'm here. I'm going to hold you through it. But just like this, you know, just like Jesus inviting us to come out, we have to remember that he does give us that invitation as well. He gives us that chance to trust him. The word, um, the Greek word that Jesus actually uses when he says come, uh, you could see it up here on the screen, and I'm going to do a poor job of pronouncing it, but it's erkome, essentially meaning to come from one place to another. There's movement involved. There's intentionality. you got to put some action into here. So Jesus, even though he offers the hope, he says, you got to do something on your part. you got to get out of the boat. And so for Peter, knowing that Jesus is already there, that gave him, you know, the confidence to step out and focus on Jesus. Because Jesus can do so much more than we can on our own. What we offer to Jesus, even maybe just that little bit of trust we offer to Jesus, Jesus can do so, so much with. When we read the story, just in that first verse, it says immediately after this, this is immediately after Jesus takes a gift from a small boy, we read in the Gospel of John, of loaves and fish, and he feeds 5,000 people. What we give, and you maybe have heard me say this uh, sometimes when I pray for the offering, I heard somebody talk about God as the great multiplier. God takes what we have, even if it might just be a small little bit, even that first little step, and he does so, so much with it. In Ephesians, Paul writes this. He says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. When we hand our trust over to Jesus, he takes it and he can do so much more than we can on our own. And just as Pastor Chris mentioned, Jesus being the hope of the world and the church being the best hope for the world With our trust, handing that over to Jesus, he can do so much with it. And last but not least, we got to remember to keep our focus on Jesus. When is it that Peter starts to falter? When is it when he starts to sink? It says when he starts seeing the wind and the waves around him. He starts screaming, save me, Lord, save me. And Jesus asks, why did you doubt me? Why did you take your eyes off me? Why did you take your focus off me? Just last night, you know, when you're a pastor, I think you're kind of in this mode, like, what can I talk about in a sermon? And sure enough, just last night, I was watching a documentary on Tony Hawk. Do you all know who Tony Hawk is? Maybe you know the name? Yeah. Pro skater, probably the most famous, if not best skater of all time. Well, they did a documentary, and they talked about him. And one of the other skaters that he grew up with, he kind of did a little interview with them. They said, the reason that Tony Hawk was so good, it wasn't necessary genetics, It wasn't necessarily kind of his time and place. They said the reason that Tony Hawk was so good is that he never saw the bad. He never focused on the bad. He just overlooked it. It just didn't even occur to him. Maybe sometimes to a fault. He's getting up there in age, and he probably needs to find a new, uh, maybe a new hobby or maybe lifestyle, really. Uh, But he never saw it. He overlooked it. And that was what kind of the same thing happens for Peter. When Peter has this focus on Jesus, he's good. He's sure-footed. He's walking. He's focused on Jesus. Hebrews 12 says, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. 
study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. Later, it talks about it like a shot of adrenaline through your veins. When we place the trust in Jesus, it overcomes the fears, the doubts, the failures that we previously hold. It overcomes everything else that is around us because Jesus is already in the chaos. Jesus has already overcome the chaos. And Jesus invites us in to place our trust in him because he has our best interest at heart. He knows what's best for us. He's overcome sin and death. He's overcome the grave. And he's inviting us into that story as well. I mentioned trust almost being like a muscle. You use it, it grows. It helps you. Well, I think as we use it and as we place our trust in God, I think our view of God grows as well. I heard somebody once say, don't tell your God how big your problems are, but tell your problems how big your God is. You know, I think about that in the situations where I'm overcome with doubt and fear. No, I got a really big God who's on my side. John Oberg tells a story of a pastor friend and himself. We're going over to Ethiopia. There's the underground church. This is pre-1991 when Ethiopia was still under Marxist control. Christianity was outlawed. This church was underground, as I mentioned. Bibles were illegal. So they thought, let's go. So they ended up, they packed their stuff. Well, then they got a call and they said, we want you to bring some Bibles as well. We need Bibles. And they thought, well, bringing ourselves is one thing. You know, we can kind of just, you know, we don't necessarily have to say we're here for the church, but bringing a Bible is pretty obvious of our intentions. But they felt called and they said, all right, let's do it. So they packed up 50 Bibles. They were getting ready to head out. And one lady came up at the very last second. She says, I got one more Bible for you I want you to take. Said, all right, I think we got space, so pack that up as well. Sure enough, flying to Ethiopia, they get to customs. Guess what happened? Yeah, nothing crazy, but yeah, they found the Bibles. You know, there's no miracle here. They found the Bibles and they got confiscated. Well, they thought, well, this isn't any good. Well, then they said, well, we need your information now too. And they thought, okay, now it's not good. But they let them go. And a couple days later, they got a call from the customs office, said, you need to come back. They thought, well, they know where we are. We got to go. So they showed up to the customs office, and the head customs office officer and agent called them in and said, These are Bibles. And I said, Yeah. And they said, These are illegal. I said, Yeah. I said, You can have them back under one condition. You let me keep one, and you don't tell anybody. So the 50 Bibles were now sent back on their way to this underground church. And John talks about his trust in God got a little bit bigger. And his view of God got a little bit bigger as well. We were never promised that this life is going to be easy. But we are promised and called by Jesus to take heart because he has overcome the world. And I know as a husband, as a father, and as a father who's welcoming another child in 2023, I would much rather have a big God than big problems. So as we come together, we trust Jesus with our time, our talent, our treasure, and lastly, with with our trust. Let's get out of the boat. 2023, I'm sure, is going to be an awesome year for us. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that you do call us to get out of the boat. What a blessing it is. 
It's not always going to be easy. It is going to be scary, but you're there. You're in the midst of the chaos, inviting us, calling out to us, saying, come, take heart, have courage. And even though it will be scary, if we keep our focus on you, we can be sure-footed. We can walk on water. We can overcome the many problems that we have in this life, for you have overcome the world. Amen.